welcome to episode 6 of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin. This is Apple. And we are bringing you all of the comic news, book news, and comic reviews of all the Batman Universe comics that have come out just about a month ago. In this episode, we're going to cover a bunch of comics, but we first want to make sure we point out to everybody, because we're getting ready for Wizard World this weekend, we are going to kind of give you a shorter version of the comic podcast than you are normally used to. So because of that, we're going to try to keep the reviews as short as possible. We'll welcome more discussion on future podcasts about these issues if, if we get some responses for them. But for the most part, we're going to try to keep these summaries and reviews of these comics as short as possible so that we can get make sure we get this episode out for you guys before the wizard world and then on top of that let us have a chance to get ready for wizard world right because we got to get ready and pack yeah exactly so the very first thing we're gonna start off with is there's absolutely no comic news to report but we do have some book news so the very first book that we're going to talk about is batman Ego and Other Tales. This comes out on November 12th. It says the, the solicitation is the volume collecting Darwin Cook's greatest Batman stories is now available in trade paperback. It includes the complete epics, Batman Ego, and Catwoman Selina's Big Score, plus tales from Batman Gotham Knights number 23 and 33, and Solo number 1 and 5. It's going to be 200 pages, color, soft cover. It's going to run you about $17.99 U.S. dollars. All right, and then the only other book news we've got is on November 19th, Batman Gotham Underground is going to be coming out in a trade paperback form. You may remember this series. It was a nine-part miniseries. The solicitation for this one is the entire Bat family unites to bring down one of the largest Gotham City crime coops ever, featuring issues number one through nine of the popular miniseries. This trade paperback contains appearances by every major Gotham hero, villain, and vigilante. It's going to be 160 pages, color, soft cover, and once again will run you $19.99 US dollars. Ooh, and that one's worth it. I, I like that series. Yeah, that was a really good series. If you didn't get a chance to pick any of those up, make sure you get out there and pick, the, pick up this trade paperback because it's going to be good. And on the last cast, we told them that the poster was out, too, of the all the collective issues forming together. Yeah, so get out there and get that. Well, let's just jump right into comic reviews. The very first comic that we're going to review is Batman number 680. As we all know, this is still we're still within the R.I.P. storyline. Like I said, we're going to try to keep these summaries as brief as possible. I'm just going to go over the basis of what this story was bad people from around the world have shown up at Arkham Asylum to meet Dr. Hurt. In the meantime, Bruce Wayne is having a discussion with Batmite whether or not certain things are real or not, and then at one point, the guy who plays Laboose is having a conversation with the Joker. Now, what it seems like for quite some time is that the Joker is actually slowly taking out a bunch of the people that are related to the Black Glove, to include Senor Sombrero, and they showed a couple of the other little henchmen that were taken out as well. Basically, this Dr. Hurt, he tells everybody, hey, guess what? We've got Batman, and we have this little get-together once a year where we have somebody that we kill. It, it kind of reminds me of the movie Hostel, where they're showing, you know, they have got people watching and paying money to see somebody get killed. In this instance, Dr. Hurt has already informed these people, hey, we've got Batman. They don't believe him, and then all of a sudden Batman breaks into Arkham Asylum, 
and starts taking out a bunch of different people. Then at the same time, the Joker walks in, has a little conversation with Dr. Hurt. Then we do a little cutscene that I find kind of important down the line, which is that Commissioner Gordon's over at Wayne Manor, and he's breaking in and he's got, having to try to deal with the fact that there's a bunch of security systems in place. Damien appears in the costume that he's worn in issues past, and as well as Talia al Ghul shows up, along with Ubu, Ra's al Ghul's right-hand man. So they have a little discussion. They decide, you know what, we've got to we've got to figure out what's going on with Batman. And at the same time, we go back to Batman being taunted with the fact that Jezebel Jet is locked up and he has to save her. Batman runs into the Joker and they decide that they're going to exchange words for quite some pages. And the Joker basically states, "We've we've been doing this forever. I'm kind of getting tired of it." And then he reveals that he actually has Jezebel Jet in his room. Now these petals of a flower start to fall. They're black and red. And Joker informs him, you already know what these black and red flower petals are by themselves. They're fine, but once they come in contact with each other, then you know what's going to happen. And what happens is Bruce takes off his mask and says he's not Bruce Wayne. He's not Batman. He keeps saying, I am the Batman of Zurinar. Then he takes a knife and goes to break into this room that Jezebel Jet's in. He gets in there and he thinks he is out of time. He realize, he, he picks up his little radio, AM FM radio that he was carrying a couple issues ago and he starts to get this smile on his face basically because the black and red petals have some kind of uh, the Joker Venom toxin. Then we get to the big point in this issue. Jezebel Jet looks up and says, look, look at his eyes. Now he knows. Then all of a sudden you see her pulling on some black gloves. And she says, Batman's finally giving in. And then Joker replies at the very end, now do you get it? So what I said, I don't know how long ago about Jezebel Jet having something to do with all of this, I want to say I was right. Yeah, the thing can't be trusted. That's exactly. All right, so that's Batman 680. Like I said, we're trying to go through these as fast as possible. I spent a little bit more time than what I wanted to on that issue, but that is an RIP, so it's important. The next one is The Batman Strikes number 50. Now, this is the very last issue of The Batman Strikes. Something that Apple brought up, which was amusing, was that... Well, I figured that um, since issue 50 was going to be the last one, you would figure that it would go out with the bang. Uh, Jeff Matsuda didn't return for for even sending this comic book as a as a send off, thanking fans that have supported it and who supported the Batman, which he brought along. So I just figured they just let this comic just go down by the wayside. Exactly. So it wasn't he didn't return, and it was Christopher Jones and Terry Beattie who actually headed up this issue. Now, the other thing. Going back to what Apple said about the series going out with a bang, since this is really the last of the Matsutsa era, this is kind of a disappointment because after reading this comic, it was it seemed like just a story that would have happened any other time. Didn't feel like it was trying to end anything at all. One cool thing was that Etrigan makes an appearance in this issue, and the story is based around him. General summary is he meets up with Batman to convince Batman that he's trying to find the Riddler because the Riddler has a box that's going to release some demons. Down the road, Batman helps him find the Riddler. The Riddler unlocks this box, 
and once he unlocks the box, these demons come out of the box. Then Batman realizes that Etrigan actually wanted these demons to be released. The demons take over Etrigan and start controlling him. And then what ends up happening is that Robin throws his little Robin batarangs to the box, closes the box, and the demons go away. And then Batman sends Etrigan away. Honestly, this issue, in my opinion, sucked. It was not good at all. Even if it wasn't a send-off issue, it wasn't good. I don't understand why they would introduce Etrigan in the last one, when I don't even remember Etrigan being in the TV show. Do you? No, I don't even remember it. So, to introduce a character that's never was never even in the TV show, in the send-off issue, it would have made more sense for them to do like the Batman Justice League thing where they did during the entire season five. That would have made more sense to me. Yeah, and and you know the thing is, I mean, as we close out this series and uh, we send it off, uh, the one thing that I saw that was uh, that the series brought was um, Bane. I like their take on Bane, where Bane was like kind of hulkish. He's like real huge, and I, I that's the only thing I I really kind of liked out of that series. I mean, we liked it, and we're Batman fans. We liked it. But I feel like the support, even though that they were moving on from the cartoon, I still wish they would have showed support to the comic because the fans were still there for it. Yeah, and I really think that, I wouldn't say all along, but for, for at least the last ten issues of this comic, the stories have just been completely lacking. Yeah, and see, you can't do that. It's, that's <laughs> Even though the book's ending, it's still wrong. Okay, and that brings us into uh, Nightwing 149, which is also another Batman R.I.P. Uh, tie-in. Now, uh, real quick, going through this book, of course, Batman's villains, if you already have picked up uh, issue 148, you saw how Batman's rogue galleries of villains were right there, the ones that are already tied into the R.I.P. story. We have Poison Ivy, uh, Scarecrow, uh, Joker, Mr. Freeze, Penguin, and, of course, Two-Face. Well, right off the bat... Um, well, and Killer Croc also. You're kind of getting the sense, okay, what's going on? You know, what's going on with through these issues as uh, Nightwing's taking on all these adversaries? And uh, it's, it's going through, it's playing through, and it seems kind of like if, uh, if he's been drugged in a way. So as you go through the issues and he's going through the villains, um, you kind of finally figure out that he was drugged. He was actually drugged with one of uh, Scarecrow's serums, and it was actually Two-Face that did it. So Two-Face is actually still there, of course, threatening to kill uh, his ex-lover. But the one cool part within this issue is that when the Joker carries a crowbar and it goes back to the death of the family when he killed Jason Todd, I thought that was real cool to bring in. Um, and it plays that out, but it not actually plays in reverse after Nightwing stops a crowbar from hitting him. And it shows Nightwing overcoming all these issues with uh, against all these uh, 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 the villains. So when it leads on, Nightwing comes back and he's battling against the serum. Uh, Two-Face is then, you know, telling him, you know, of course, you know, he's going to kill the lover. Uh, you were supposed to protect her and stuff. So cool part also about Two-Face is that he doesn't make the judgment without his coin. Flips the coin, and the coin actually gets real big, of course, you know, Nightwing is drugged. The coin gets real big, and it, like, squishes him. And so this is all in his thought. Of course, Two-Face 
shoots his ex-lover and she says that you know you're gonna stand there and watch me bleed and he's like of course not i'm gonna walk slowly so i won't have to step on your blood <laughs> so uh that was that was a cool part so nightwing once he sees that carol has been shot tries to bring it back of course the lifeline showing that her you know she's dying then at the end the funeral takes place nightwing is standing in the rain two faces also and they're looking it over as soon as the uh Two-Face kind of uh, comes comes out of the uh, the whole two-sided of his personality. Once he's uh, talking to this gentleman in the limo, uh, he tells him that, hey, you know, Carol, Carol, uh, you know, died. And he goes, what? And he was like, what? Nightwing was supposed to protect her from me. So, of course, Two-Face feeling the anger that he does, uh, takes it out on the gentleman in the limo, and he just shoots him repeatedly, which is a very cool scene within the comic book. And so uh, it leads off from there, and it's going to lead into a, a special oversized edition of Nightwing 150. So we're going to have that for you as soon as it comes out next month. <laughs> Alright, then that brings us right over into Batman Confidential number 22, which Apple's going to cover. Okay, guys, from the whole pig, this is a must-read. Batman Confidential number 22 is already, it's the new story, begins here, okay? So, within this issue, it's it gives you a sense that, it, you know, if anybody's ever picked on you, you kind of watch it because you never know what they can do to you. So, uh, within this issue, you have a kind of like a smart aleck detective uh, going through, of course, Batman arrests and brings in the Joker. So, the Joker's featured within this issue. Within this issue also, uh, Joker's, okay, you know, he, he does his little tactics, you know, he's having his little fun with the photo, with the, the when they're checking him into the to jail. And so... Um, he goes through and he gets a lot of attitude from this one policeman. The one policeman uh, really thinks, you know, he's a hot shot. He doesn't want to deal with the Joker and thinks he's real better, you know, better than the Joker and thinks, you know, the Joker is just a smart aleck. Uh, of course, has a, has a tussle. After going through, checking him in, going through this process of, of going back and forth, the Joker actually snatched the detective's cell phone. And he actually called the detective's wife to tell her that she had a sickness that she was not going to be, that she was going to die from. And that if if he was her, that he would go ahead and uh, basically kill himself so the, the husband wouldn't suffer through it. And so the Joker tells him that the detective races home. And sure enough, as soon as he comes home, he sees his wife hung herself. <laughs> and that's just so typical of of the Joker to do that it, it was very shocking. Batman, which is only featured maybe in a couple of panels within this issue, I love that because Batman is mysterious. He's supposed to be like that to me. But the storyline was all about the Joker and having that sense that you shouldn't really mess with someone because you really don't know what they can do. And so the Joker, just by doing a phone call, messed up this detective's life so i i think it's an awesome read guys i know we're blowing through these real fast but this is an awesome read batman confidential number 22 must read okay guys which now is going to lead us back into another r.i.p issue that we have which is uh batman detective comics 849 this issue of course as you know being fans of paul dini Dustin Gwynn is actually doing a wonderful, terrific job. I think he's working really well with Paul Dini to illustrate his stories. 
But this tie-in is, in my opinion, guys, this is an awesome, awesome story that, dare I even say, it's actually better than the Grant Morrison line. I second. <laughs> well, this this storyline, um, of course, the Joker comes in and uh, Batman's actually looking for uh, Dr. Jonathan Crane. Uh, he goes through, he's trying to get information from him. When it pans out, when he leaves Arkham Asylum, it actually pans down to Midnight and um, Mr. Terrific. And they're at the hospital looking over uh, Selena Kyle, and they're talking about the events uh, equipment that's being used to keep Selena Kyle, of course, Catwoman, alive. Batman's racing, trying to find her heart, which was actually cut out in the last issue. And in the last issue, you had heard us when we talked about Hush cut out her heart. And we were going through, you know, speculations of who could it be. This issue actually leads you into it, guys. So within this issue, Hush is preparing himself for Batman's arrival to the hospital. Of course, knowing that Batman's going to take too long to get there, he has these henchmen. These henchmen are actually dressed up in uh, surgeon outfits. So that was really cool of Hush. Of course, uh, Tommy Ellie goes through and he goes through memory about his mom liking uh, Bruce Wayne better than her son, always giving Tommy Elliot a hard time. Goes through and then he says, we picked up something on the security camera, and he comes out of that, that the, his memory, and of course it's Batman throwing his arrival, and he goes, okay, and he goes, head to the staircase. So as they're going through the staircase, he goes, wait, and then he realizes that Batman was actually one of the ones in the surgeon groups, I mean in the surgeon outfits, and he goes, no, and then he starts shooting, and of course Batman and Hush uh, get into a fist fight, and so all the henchmen that Hush have, uh, they were actually hired from Arkham Asylum. Uh, starts surrounding Batman. Of course, Hush and Batman get into uh, a fight, and he's like, they go down the stairwell, and Batman's like holding him. He already shot his battering, and he's holding him by by his neck. And he's like, you know, I should I should break your neck right here. And then he goes, do it. Two Face try to kill me, and Joker try to do it to me. And so you know, Batman gets into it. And he's like, why Selina? And he's like, because he goes, I wanted I wanted to hurt you in the worst way I could. And he knows that Hush calls Catwoman a gutter slut, which I disagree with. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I know you wouldn't deny yourself for that. So Batman, you know, of course, his heart is with Catwoman. Uh, drops him, and he he just talks to to Tommy Elliot, aka Hush. And as they're walking around, he goes, you know, why, you know, why'd you do it? And so he starts giving him the background, like. Uh, why he's doing it. He's leading him into a room. So you kind of get that feeling like, you know, he's up to something. And so it goes through the history of uh, how the Joker tried to, you know, cause a heart attack to Tommy uh, within their last meeting. And so it looks like a machine very reminiscent of something from um, Mr. Freeze. It gives you that because it looks very cold because the way they're breathing also. And right then you see Selena Kyle's heart. And then all of a sudden, Batman starts feeling something like coming over him. And then that's when Hush breaks him in on the gas that he's been breathing so he's like falling he goes elliot and he goes are you sure he takes off the garbage from his mask and hush reveals himself to be bruce wayne and bruce wayne it was actually tommy elliot who had facial surgery to actually look like bruce wayne and so that's what he goes wow you go you could look into a mirror right and so he goes well long enough for out you know to full alfred and pull a bullet through his head which was you know 
very reminiscent of what Hush would say. And so as they're putting him down on the table, and he was like, yes, he goes, I want to see you die. And he cuts off his mask. He lifts it open. Uh, isn't it ironic that we should now see your heart stop while Selena's will start at the stop at the same time? And it, it leads off right there, and it leads you wanting more, like, man, what what is... Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne's uh, fake face, is going to do next. Paul Dini, man, wonderful writer, perfectly illustrates this. This is what <laughs> R.I.P. should have been. So, uh, wonderful story, guys. It's a must-read. If you can pick it up, you will not be disappointed within these stories, guys. Yeah, definitely. And I have to say, I'm not real sure why... Detective Comics is having anything to do with R.I.P. because it seems like it's a completely separate storyline. I, I do like this one more than the actual R.I.P. storyline because this is actually making more sense to me. Exactly. It, it's making perfect... It, it makes perfect sense from the last issue to this issue and it's not leading you hanging. And I, I don't know what it is. Maybe Grant Morrison and Tony Daniel, they... They're not mixing real well. I mean, it, it's you have one guy who's really going out there and trying to do a story, and it's based on uh, histories of DC Comics going back to the, the 40s or 50s of Batman. And I feel that it's losing uh, a lot of readers because of they don't know the whole foundation of what DC Comics was based on. And that's what Grant, Grant Morrison does. His stories go back that far back and he pulls out little snippets from there of that history and, and, and he's putting it in there Paul Dini Paul Dini relates it to the now and what's happening to the now so him working around and being the writer that he is he's trying to work in and around Grant Morrison's R.I.P. storyline but he's doing a phenomenal job it's it's outblowing anyone else right now is doing it and and uh dustin Gwynn, his artwork is just improving this guy he, he's just improving more and more and more all right so that's going to bring us into simon dark number 13 now this issue we gave simon dark number 12 a ton of praise when we reviewed it the last time this issue i'm gonna i'm almost tempted to take back all the praise <laughs> Just for the fact that there's, like, not anything at all that happens in this issue. It's basically everything related to Simon Dark has completely slowed down. There's kind of two different storylines going on within the comic. One of them is that Tom and Beth are using some of the downtime to try to work out their feelings for each other, which ends up leading them to bickering back and forth about little things and Tom revealing some information about the fact that he died in the past, he got shot up by somebody, a, new, or a, a group of mobsters, numerous times and then died, but then was brought back to life. And then it all turns out that Beth says we should take some time to figure this all out, and he says, we've got all the time in the world, and then suddenly pulls her in to kiss her. Then the other storyline, which actually includes Simon Dark, is where Simon and Rachel, where Simon is showing Rachel the in-between, as he names it, which is the void of white light that's kind of in-between earth and heaven and hell and purgatory, and he's saying, this is what there is. He says to her, I've got something to show you, I've got a surprise. They go into this little area where a bunch of little cats walk up. And she's like, oh, how cute. And then all of a sudden they shapeshift into some kind of weird-looking creatures. But they seem pretty nice. I believe their names were uh, Gaze, Populus, 
Susie Lamar and Marty. So kind of weird names for just some random things. But that was the basic gist of it. And then uh, Rachel says, well, we should go home. So they morph back into the, the cats. They follow Simon and Rachel out of this in-between area back to Earth. And then as they're walking home, Simon stumbles upon a mugging that's happening. And he simply cannot ignore it. And then all of a sudden the hooligans are like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Little did they realize that he's got the shapeshifters with him that can pretty much shapeshift into whatever they want. And that's where the issue ends. Like I said, this issue, extremely slow. Not a whole lot happening. The storylines are intertwined within the comic, but not actually within the events that are occurring. So that because of that, once you start to get a little bit of momentum within one storyline, you start to lose it as soon as you jump over to the other storyline. So not real sure what the heck what was going on with this issue, but that was what happened. You know what I heard about that issue was, uh, I heard DC was not going to let Simon Dark go past ish 12 issues, but since people were liking it, they actually decided to continue on, so it, it might have been that that story was kind of rushed from, from, from the ramblings that uh, I read from the, I think it was Wizard, it might have been another comic book site where they had only intended that 12 issues be written for Simon Dark, so I wonder if that could have played something with it. It could be actually a decent chance of what actually happened. And that's why maybe they didn't have a whole lot of time to come up with a huge storyline. Because it does seem like that in issue number 12, everything was kind of resolved at the very end. Where it could have only been planned to only do 12. And then when it, after the success that it received, they decided to proceed. And they just didn't have enough time to put something really good together. Right. <laughs> Alright, so that's going to bring us to our very last one, which is Two-Face Year One, number two of two. Now, if you guys didn't read Two-Face Year One, number one of two, you need to pick that one up before you read this one, because the second one will not make any sense at all if you don't have the first one. The story picks up a little bit after the first one. I want to say probably within a month after the first one. Harvey Dent is now Two-Face. And they're not letting you think any other things. They're not thinking that Two-Face is going to go through like the transformation phase where he's going to slowly become Two-Face. No, they're basically throwing you right into a shootout with Two-Face. Now, what's kind of interesting is that the mayor of Gotham appoints the person who was going against Dent in the trial with Sal Maroney as the new district attorney, the acting district attorney. Now, the main storyline for everything is that there's going to be an election to vote for the new district attorney. Harvey Dent is still going to be on the ballot, but then there's going to be this new guy who has a lot of ties to the mob, and then there's going to be a judge. At some point throughout the comic, the judge drops out because she's scared out of her mind that Harvey Dent or somebody's going to kill her. And then it's basically the guy with the mobster ties and then Harvey Dent. Now, there's not a whole lot of underlying storylines within this, but what I found amusing was that when Two-Face decides he's actually going to put forth an effort to actually run in this election, he actually gets together a bunch of the, the rogues gallery at Penguin's Iceberg Lounge to have them make phone calls to different people saying, hey, vote for Harvey Dent, vote for Harvey Dent. And it was really kind of funny to see the Riddler, the Joker, the Penguin, Killer Croc, Clayface, all sitting in one room together calling people and telling them, hey, vote for Harvey Dent. I found that kind of amusing. <laughs> Ultimately, what ends up happening is Two-Face, and then there was also, I have to point this out too, 
um, the giant penny that appears in the Batcave made an appearance and kind of gave it a story of where it could have came from. Um, there's a character known as the Penny Plunderer, which if you know the story about the giant penny, you know about this character, but there's this character named the Penny Plunderer. His, I can't remember his first name, but his last name's Coin, and his big thing is he likes coins. He robs the bank in this issue, and there's a giant penny. And Two-Face comes in and tells him, I don't know what you're doing, this is my area, and kills him right there on the spot. Meanwhile, the penny, which was attached to some kind of cables, rolls out of the building, and then somehow Batman gets it. It didn't really explain how he got it back to the Batcave, but they show Alfred hooking up to some kind of stand inside the Batcave later on, which I found that kind of interesting. But back to the, the other part. So the election's about to happen. Two-Face ends up kidnapping this uh, Mort Weinstein, who's the guy running against him in this election, and basically decides the only way to have real justice is to have this guy tried with a jury of his peers. So he takes him to Arkham Asylum and has all of these villains who were helping Two-Face before, who got caught by the police, basically be the jury for this Mort Weinstein. Mort Weinstein is hooked up to, I wouldn't say electric chair, but a chair that has electroshock therapy to a maximum degree. And Two-Face rolls through every all the villains and says, uh, said whether or not he's guilty or not guilty, and pretty much everybody says guilty, and Batman shows up at the last minute along with Commissioner Gordon, and it was kind of a scene reminiscent to what happened in The Dark Knight, which I found kind of interesting. Now, what ends up happening is uh, Commissioner Gordon says, you don't need to do this, and Batman's saying the same thing, and Harvey Dent says, there's only really one thing that makes a difference, and it's chance. He flips the coin, it comes up the bad side, and he hits the button to fry him. The guy gets fried, and then the next scene goes over to Harvey Dent sitting in jail, and Commissioner Gordon and Batman going back and forth talking. Batman saying to Commissioner Gordon, you realize there really was no way of saving him. He was doomed from the beginning. Commissioner Gordon said, yes, that, that goes true for you. There wasn't a way we could have saved him. The, the very last couple pages of this comic reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight, about the final conversation between Commissioner Gordon and Batman, and then the fact that Two-Face had to make a decision and decided to put everything to chance and flip the coin. I love that. I love when whenever they do a two, the Two-Face stories, whenever they always make the decision with this coin, I love that. Keep that of the character. Alright, so like we said in the last comic podcast, we're not doing the short box collection unless we get a ton of response from people saying, hey, bring it back. So let's go right into the upcoming releases. November 12th, we've got Batman Confidential number 23, which will be another Joker story. We've got Kevin Smith's take on Batman in his little mini-series that he's doing called Batman Cacophony number 1 of 3. Um, and then, like as we mentioned earlier, Batman Egos and Other Tales, Detective Comics number 850, Nightwing number 150, Simon Dark number 14, Superman and Batman vs. Vampires and Werewolves number 3 of 6. Then on November 19th, we've got Batgirl number 5 of 6, Batman 681, Batman and the Outsiders number 13, as we talked about earlier, Batman Gotham Underground, and Robin number 180 is going to do it for the 19th of November. So as always, if you have anything that you want us to talk about, email us at comicpodcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. And we will be at Wizard World 
this weekend, finding out all of the latest Batman news straight from the comic creators. And we'll give you some of that news in the future podcasts. Right. And we're going to be running around, guys. We have the uh, the uh, press passes for Wizards. So if you're trying to look for me and Dust, just look for the guys with the press passes. And we're going to try to be running around around there. So trying to get all this stuff for you guys. Yeah. So as always, this is Dustin. And this is Apple. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care, guys.